everyone. Welcome back to an all new episode of Soul Sugar Podcast. It's your host, Carrie Rad, and today we are going to be talking about finances. I have not done a podcast episode about finances yet, and I'm so excited because it's something that I love talking about on my channel, and it seems like you guys love it as well. You guys have told me so much, and I just think it's such a great topic, and I'm just learning to get more comfortable with talking about finances and just learning more about it myself as I evolve as a human being. And I'm so excited to have Lindsay on today from Mind Money Balance. She is a couples financial therapist, which is so incredible in itself. Just that title is so unique. And I am so excited to learn more about it. So hello, Lindsay, and thank you for being here. Hi, Carrie. I'm so excited to be here. Today, we are going to be talking about what exactly is financial anxiety, and we're going to talk about fear. And I was just over on your Instagram. I've been over on your Instagram for like the last week looking at all of your IG TVs and your stories, and there is so much information there that I am so excited to deep dive into and to just ask you more questions about because everything you say, I just sit there and I'm like, Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad. That makes me so happy. Also, I found out that you are a Virgo as well. So we're fellow Virgos. Yes. And our partners are both Pisces as well. Oh my gosh. That is so fun. Yeah. (laughs) We're like twin couples in the Zodiac (laughs) sign department. (laughs) I wanted to start off with first having you tell me what exactly financial anxiety is. Yeah, financial anxiety is the a specific type of anxiety that comes up when we think about or interact with money. And it's not an official diagnosis in the DSM, but it's anything where you have negative or avoidant thoughts and feelings about money. And we know that our thoughts and feelings lead to behaviors. And so financial anxiety can look like procrastinating on signing up for a retirement plan or not planning for your future or avoid looking at your spending. And then it also comes with emotions. And in addition to feeling anxious or stressed, a person might also feel guilty or embarrassed or fearful. And it comes along with the exact same physical symptoms that our traditional anxiety comes along with, which is like your heart racing and feeling nauseous and tension in your body. And I think for so many people, they don't connect the dots that you can have a physical reaction to interacting with your money. And what tends to happen is people just say really limiting statements like, oh, I'm just bad at money or I don't get money. And then they don't interact with it. Um, so financial anxiety is is anything that's preventing you really from interacting with your money in a healthy and empowered way. When you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is when I was young and I didn't have as much money as I do now, I would use my debit card and I, you know, if I didn't have enough funds, it would be declined. And it's funny now as an adult where I sometimes use my card and even though I know that I have more than enough money for a specific transaction, it's so funny how all of a sudden I'll have this like body reaction where it's full-blown anxiety and it's it's like my body knows, my mind knows that that's not the case, that I have the money, but because it's something that I had experienced when I was younger, it it just like 
it's the anxiety that lives in me and it has to do with finance. And so that's like the first thing that I think about when you talk about those anxieties. Yes, and what you are talking about is such a common experience. It's this experience of logically or intellectually, we understand that there isn't something to fear there, right? So for you, Carrie, logically, intellectually, you know you have money in your account. And at the same time, because our bodies have been trained to respond to things over time, your body was trained to respond with anxiety in the past. So it's having a hard time kind of catching up to what's happening now. And so what you just illuminated is so important because for some people, they're really good at pointing out the physical parts of it. Like, oh, I'm having a physical anxiety reaction to my money. And for other people, they're better at pointing out the thoughts. Like I'm having a thought that this debit card's going to get declined and that will be embarrassing. Wow. It's, it's crazy how that, that can just live in you from, you know, I was reading one of, or watching one of your stories talking about what is the age that you stated that when you go through like your financial past, like it sticks with you. I can't remember the age, but it was so interesting. Yeah. So most psychologists say that we've kind of developed our relationship with money by the age of eight or 10. So really, really young. And the post that you're talking about is that neurodevelopmentally kids understand the concept of death and dying around the age of seven. So the idea is that money is more complex for our little brains to understand than something really complicated and potentially scary like death and dying. Earlier, we talked a bit about fear, and I want to bring that topic back up because I want to talk about how you work with couples a lot of the time. That's your primary thing is that you work with high earning couples, right? Yeah, exactly. And can you tell me more about why you have decided to work with high earning couples and why you've decided to go down this specific path and niche? Yeah, it happened really organically. Sometimes when I'm feeling a little anxious myself, I'm like, oh, I'm just following the bouncing ball. But really when I look at it, I am like, these are the folks who have called to me and this is where my expertise lies. So when people hear that I'm a financial therapist for high earning couples, I think a lot of images probably come to mind like rich and wealthy and then some not so great images and thoughts might come to mind like greedy or spoiled or out of touch. And I started out in my financial therapy journey by seeing almost anybody. And as time went on, a few things happened that kind of shifted me and directed me towards my current niche. One was that individuals were coming in, but they were partnered or married. And really quickly, I identified that we weren't going to get very far without the other person in the room. So I made a rule that if you're married or partnered, I have to see both people. So that was one that kind of so change. Much sense. Right, right. And yeah, so we can go into that um, as well. So that was the first big shift. And then the second big shift was that I'm in a an area that is relatively affluent. I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which has a really high percentage of people who have master's degrees, MDs, and PhDs. So it's a highly educated area. And therefore, we have a lot of high earners. And what I was seeing was a ton of 
guilt coming up with these high earners because we have this story in our culture that once you have money, you will feel better. Once you have money, your problems will be solved. So there was this huge disconnect of people saying, look, I'm making good money. I live in this nice neighborhood. I have a good car. My kids go to a safe school, etc. And yet I still feel bad and or I have money and I feel guilty that I have it. How is it that I have money when other people don't? And how is it that I have money when my parents didn't growing up? And isn't it hard for me to be out earning my parents? And will my friends think I don't fit in with them? So there were so many tangled, convoluted money stories caught up in it. And what I saw in this space is that in the world of personal finances, there is a lot of talk and there are a lot of resources for folks who are at one end of the spectrum, which is kind of at that Kickstarter stage where they are digging themselves out of debt. They're getting a good financial standing. They're getting, they're starting to feel safe and confident in their relationship with money. And then there's this big gap after that. So once we kind of get our financial foothold, there isn't a ton, or I didn't find that there were a ton of resources that were really relatable because a lot of the quote unquote wealthy resources were things about you know, how to best manage your stock options. And while I think there's validity in that and it's important to know that, they were missing out on the emotional side of it. So that's how I ended up in this particular niche. It's interesting how you can have anxiety if you don't have money. And then you can have anxiety if you're somewhere in the middle there. And you can have anxiety when you're making a good amount of money. And I find it really interesting, the shame in when you are making a good amount of money for yourself. And this is something that to this day, you know, for me, I am in the position now where I've gotten myself out of debt. And I know that a lot of your teachings are about like looking, looking at your loans and your debts as something that it has a positive side to it. It doesn't have to be something that is so heavy and a burden. And I find that teaching so, so true. And it it makes so much sense because in life, you should look at the things that are hard for you in general as something that has like a silver lining. And I think that it's true when you are dealing with student loan, you should look at it as like, okay, well, this is what did I get to experience at this school? And, um, you know, watching that IGTV of yours really um, made a lot of sense because I looked at debt as shame in the past. And even when Alex and I first met and when we were talking about getting married, I still had some student loan debt. And for me, you know, we were both, we're a high earning couple and, because I still had that, it was sort of the shame and like, why do I still have this? And I was able to finally pay it off. But when I look back on it, I think about the shame that I felt in that. And I feel honestly kind of sad for myself because I'm like, why did I sit in that shame so much? And obviously I brought it up to Alex because I've just read and watched and listened to so many different things about, um, couples and finances, of course, because I'm in that stage of my life where I'm about to get married. So those conversations are so important. And um, I think the work of being a couple and and talking about finances with a therapist, just, I don't know, I guess I'm just really just like tooting your horn here, because I just love what you're doing. And I love that that's your focus. 
Well, thank you, Carrie. And thank you for sharing that story because that story is so common, right? We believe in our country that debt is bad. And when a person has debt, we smash those two statements together and all of a sudden it becomes, I am bad because I have debt. And that carries, like you're saying, so much psychological shame and it's such a burden on the person. And if we can reframe it to say, no, that that loan or that debt or whatever language you want to use, it afforded me the opportunity to study things that I really loved. And if you didn't end up loving your college degree or didn't finish school, that's also okay, right? You can say, I also learned so many valuable lessons about what I do and don't want in my life. And that loan afforded me to learn those lessons in that way. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor, Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. You can take classes in everything from photography and creative writing to design, productivity, and more. So whether you're returning to a longtime passion project or you're challenging yourself to get outside of your comfort zone or you're simply just exploring something new, Skillshare has classes for you. I am personally interested in the gardening classes right now. They have a beginner's guide to gardening with a raised bed garden, which is exactly what I have, so it's very helpful. They also have an apartment gardening guide for those of you who live in the city and want to know how to take care of houseplants. I get tons of questions about gardening from you guys, so if you want to take a class and learn about taking care of your garden at home with your home plants, your indoor plants, or your outdoor plants, there are online courses for you right now. You guys know I am all about stepping out of your comfort zone and embracing your passions. So for instance, they also have classes on photography and filmmaking. And I think this is such a great way to have direct access to learn the skills to build your own business and potentially take your passions to the next level. I am such a believer in taking your skills and knowledge into your own hands. And that is why I absolutely love Skillshare. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners get two free months that's right skillshare is offering soul sugar listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free to sign up go to skillshare.com slash soul sugar again go to skillshare.com slash soul sugar to start your two free months now that's skillshare.com slash soul sugar let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor ore Ore is fine jewelry made in New York City, founded by women for women. Because Orate sells directly to you without the middleman markup, they can offer the same quality as a traditional Fifth Avenue brand at the fraction of the cost. I have been looking for a jewelry company like this for so long. I've been looking for high quality products that aren't marked up so incredibly high because it's nice to have multiple pieces that you love like stacking, but I could never get myself to spend as much as most fine jewelry lines offer their products at. So this is so awesome to find a company that has great pieces with lifetime warranty, but they're a fraction of the price. Not only are Orate pieces so beautiful and they sparkle and they shine and they just feel like such great quality, they also are ethically made in New York City. And also for every piece sold, a child in need receives a book to further their education. So you know you are also doing good when you purchase from them. We all know that feeling when you look down at your finger and you see a green line around your finger and you're like, I paid way too much for this ring to have that green weird line that we get. And so I just love that Orate is by women for women and was started by two friends during brunch when one of them got that green finger from an overpriced ring and they decided to start this jewelry brand. 
I got you guys a discount code. So for 15% off of your first Orate purchase, go to oratenewyork.com slash soulsugar and use the promo code soulsugar. That's A-U-R-A-T-E newyork.com slash soulsugar and use the promo code soulsugar. So that's 15% off of your first Orate purchase. You go to oratenewyork.com slash soulsugar and use the promo code soulsugar. Now let's get back to the episode. How do you feel is the best way for someone to find the optimism in in this like how like I know it's just like kind of pulling it apart and looking at like if you're if there's a couple and one of them has you know more debt than the other how do you recommend them you know pulling that apart and looking at the positive parts of that Yeah. In terms of tackling that debt as a couple, I think it depends on how serious they are in their relationship. If they're seriously partnered or married, um, tackling it together, obviously two people paying down the debt is going to go a lot quicker than just one person. Um, But in terms of psychologically, I think it can be helpful for, for both people to sit down. I'm sure, I mean, you alluded that you and Alex had a lot of conversations and I'm guessing based upon what I know about you guys, if you said, oh my gosh, I'm feeling really shameful about this debt. He didn't say to you, yeah, you should, right? He probably said to you like, no, don't worry about it. We'll find a way to pay it off. You know, we are where we are right now. We will make things work. Don't worry about it. And that's what you want. You want somebody who is on your side and who can cheer you on. Um, But we get so many negative messages about debt and the damage. And it's not that I disagree with a ton of those things. It's just the way that they come off can be so shame-based and restrictive-based. And that doesn't feel good for anybody. So when it comes to couples, the more you can think about what did that debt, that loan afford me? What did I learn? What can I do differently moving forward? The better. I mean, and it's, it's like any kind of practice, right? Whether you're practicing yoga or whether you're starting to journal, like at first it's always weird and a little bit clumsy and you're not sure what you're supposed to do. And then over time you start to get into a flow, into a rhythm and things start to feel better. It can be so nice to be in a relationship where you kind of like Alex just sort of showed me the obvious. Like he's like, well, you're, you have this much in your savings and you're earning this much. And this is how much you have left for your student loan. And it was funny because I knew that, but talking about financial anxiety and, you know, not realizing what it almost like not even wanting to be out of debt because you're so used to being in it. It was just like this feeling of, oh, like that's always been there and I'm just paying it down slowly, but surely, but actually I can just get rid of this right now. And why am I not doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, oh my gosh, you are saying so many things that I'm going, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to, you said two things that I think are really relatable for your audience and for anybody who's experienced things like this. But one is this idea of I'm going to be paying this off forever. This is a burden I have to carry with me forever and ever. And it just feeling really heavy and negative. Um, that can be really hard. And it also is really fascinating because once paying off debt becomes a habit, what I often see with my clients is because it's so habitual, they quickly build that debt back up because it has become so 
much a part of what they do. So what will happen is they'll pay it off and then they might say something to themselves like, well, now that I paid that debt off, I get a reward and they might take out a credit card or something else. And then before you know it, they're kind of back in that cycle because they have that scarcity mindset of I will always have debt. And then they take those actions that kind of make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. I want to talk about entrepreneurs and money. We talked a lot about couples and money. I think that being an entrepreneur is also really interesting. And it's a topic I want to cover because I have a lot of people that listen to the podcast and watch my YouTube channel that are also entrepreneurs. And, you know, it's, it's so hard as an entrepreneur to completely understand how your money should be spent, how you should be earning. And I have been learning this as I go. And, you know, when I first started my business, it was so confusing. And I would love to just have some of your insight on how you work with entrepreneurs. Oh my gosh. It's really fascinating working with entrepreneurs because it the game changes a little bit. It's not the same as personal finances when I'm working with couples who have traditionally or who are traditionally employed because oftentimes with entrepreneurs you cannot guarantee the exact same income each month so you can't create a totally routine spending plan. Things are going to change over time. You're going to have months where are really cash flow heavy and then you're going to have, you know, certain months that are a little bit quieter. Um but I I think with anything, you know, it comes back to knowledge being power. So how can you find some information that feels good for you that isn't too overwhelming that will give you the basics? And I think there are a ton of really good financial coaches out there for business owners that can be really helpful. But I even think some basic books, um, Profit First is a really great digestible book that helps you to set up your business in a way where you're able to pay your expenses, pay yourself because entrepreneurs didn't go into business just to volunteer. They went into business to make money as well, pay yourself and pay your taxes and also have a little cushion left over. I think what tends to get entrepreneurs in trouble is when they have those months where there's a bunch of cash coming in, they're like, sweet, I earned all this money and they take it all home with them. And then for those months that are quieter, they're kind of scrambling to make ends meet. So for sure in that first year, I generally encourage entrepreneurs to be a little bit cautious. And then in those following years, what I like to do and I'm a therapist, so I should be really clear that this is all coming um, from a therapist perspective. I'm not, you know, offering investment advice. Um, but what I like to do is then say, okay, we've got one year of data. We've got one year of numbers and information. Let's take that number take a third of it off the top right away to be really conservative with our taxes. And then from that number, take about 75% of it and divide it by 12 and pay yourself that each month. That will help you get through those months that are a little bit cash flow slow and help to provide some consistency because it's really hard to feel comfortable and safe with our money when our money when our income is changing so much from month to month. So that's kind of on the management side, but I also love talking to entrepreneurs about the pricing side and we can get into that too. One thing that you talk about that I absolutely loved was you talk about having fun and 
feeling joy and excitement when it comes to money. And I can say that I've been able to reach that point. Like I have a history of having more anxiety when it comes to finances just growing up. And now that I'm able to kind of just spread my wings, of course, there are times where things get confusing and I feel anxiety about, you know, being a corporation and trying to figure all of that stuff out. I mean, nobody gave us this information when we were in school. So it's sort of like you're just trying to figure out as you go. And I, I want to know when it, when you talk about having fun with money and being excited about it, how do you recommend somebody who is an entrepreneur and they are making money and they feel really comfortable in how much money they're making and they're a high earner? Like, how do you recommend that people kind of work through that uh, territory? Because it can be really complicated. Yeah, that is a great question. And I'm so glad you brought it up because I do believe that money is fun and can be really exciting and bring a lot of joy. And when it comes to entrepreneurs enjoying kind of the fruits of their labor, I think one thing that can be really powerful, as we all know, is having community around us who can cheer us on and support us. You know, you recently did an episode about boundaries and negative people. And when we have people around us who are sucking that energy away from us, who are not cheering us on and holding us up and encouraging us for our successes, that's when that guilt and shame can come up. So surrounding yourself with other folks who are equally as ambitious and are excited to say, yes, you did a really good launch or, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you closed that sale or you made that brand deal. That's one thing is getting some external support and some external validation and then also practicing it with yourself, right? Just like you would do any other affirmation, but checking in with whatever that negative thought is and kind of bridging the gap between that negative thought and the positive one. So let's say you have a negative thought that is, I feel guilty about the amount of success I had. Instead of going from, I feel guilty with the amount of success I've had to, I feel amazing with the amount of success I have. We kind of bridge that gap by saying things like, I feel guilty about the amount of success I had. That's an old leftover story from my childhood or from my teenagehood that no longer serves me. I'm comfortable standing in my strength and in my power. And now I'm excited to share my success. So slowly kind of making your way from one point to the other, because what often happens is people jump into like positive affirmations, but they don't give their brain a second to kind of get caught up. And that's when people will tell me, well, affirmations are cheesy. Well, yeah, because you haven't kind of bridged that gap between the two. You need your brain a little bit of time to catch up. In reality, especially like being on the internet and, you know, creating, you know, the money that I earn, I earn very publicly, meaning like nobody knows numbers, but everybody knows when I might be getting a paycheck because things say paid partnership on them. I have to legally tell people that I am earning money from this specific job. So it's really interesting being in the position that I'm in where, you know, it's always available for people to know whether I'm making money or not, which I love. And I find now um, I'm proud of that when I do that type of work. I'm proud that I'm earning money, but it can be really tricky because you also have 
an audience that may or may not appreciate the fact that you're earning money and people might feel like you're not putting enough work in to earn that money or, you know, it's really, it's really an interesting world. So I think someone like you can really be helpful to people in that position because it is not only is it, oh, I'm a high earner and I feel this shame in making money. It's also, I'm a high earner and, you know, people know when I'm making money and how I'm making it. And they are able to comment on that. Oh my gosh. Well, first, yay. I'm so happy that you have all of these sponsorships and paid endorsements and you partner with brands that feel good to you and you're getting paid for that because that is your job. And I am loving hearing the excitement in your voice and then transitioning into like, let's just call it what it is, trolls, right? People saying you shouldn't be earning this money or that's easy money. And that again, that's their baggage. Why why we have this belief that all money we earn needs to be hard earned. I don't know. <laughs> you know, that comes with a lot of stuff there too. But also like when it comes to entrepreneurship and people going, wow, she's successful. All she had to do was post hashtag ad. Like they don't see what goes on behind the scenes. They don't see the emails back and forth a million different times. They don't see the amounts of times you turn down sponsorships that don't align with your brand. They don't see the amount of time you are putting into creating graphics and going back and forth. They don't know any of that. All they see is the fancy YouTube or Instagram post. And I think that's a part of what people get cranky about is like, oh, she made it so easy. And that's on them to feel bad about, you know, their own stuff about why they think money earned easily is bad money. And also just like for you remembering like this is your job and you should be getting paid for it. You know, I'm really lucky that a lot, I'd say the majority of my community is really proud when I work with, you know, some of them might be like, oh my gosh, I've been here since the beginning and you're working with so-and-so brand. That's so cool to see. And when I see stuff like that, it really, it makes me so happy to be able to do what I do. And the fact that I was able to curate a community like that. But there are, you know, you get those one-off comments where you just realize, you know, okay, this is this one person just being a hater in that moment. And like you said, being a troll or, or whatever. But as a couple, Alex and I, you know, we both are in the same way. So it's really interesting, you know, him and I will sit down at dinner so often in our home and just say how lucky we feel. Although they're I put so we both put so much time into what we do. And yes, people don't always know the ins and outs of how much time and energy goes into a post or a video or a podcast episode or whatever it might be. I think it's at the end of the day, for me, what really helps me navigate the world of feeling shame and making money is just having so much gratitude for what I do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I want to talk more about finances as a couple and how couples can create goals for their financial future. So when it comes to setting goals as a couple, I love to dream big 
And I love to have couples kind of envision what they want their life to look like in five years, in 10 years, and really dream about what that might look like, whether that means a lot of vacations or a home or downsizing and doing something else entirely, but thinking about what they want for their life and then kind of putting a price tag on it and reverse engineering their way there. Because oftentimes I think we think so many financial goals are simply unachievable, but when we look at them and then we break it down by 12 months or by a hundred months, you can see that, wow, we can actually do this thing. And that helps to get a couple empowered and feeling really energized and excited about saving for those goals. So I love to have couples do like a really big dream kind of money date annually. And then I love monthly for couples to do monthly check-ins just to kind of see what's going on with their cash flow and make sure each partner is feeling really good about where their money is coming and where it's going. And if any unexpected hiccups came up, making sure that they know how to tackle those and just making it a, a part of the relationship. You know, it's a huge pillar in our lives. And when we neglect it, or we only talk about it when something's wrong, that's when money gets like that really icky feeling and it gets that bad rap. But if we can make it a regular part of our relationship, that's when couples are going to do really great. I would love if you could let everybody know where to find you, Lindsay. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone can find me at Mind Money Balance. I am on Instagram all the time and at my website, mindmoneybalance.com. And for folks who are interested in kind of getting started on their financial anxiety journey, I have a book that just dropped on February 18th, and you can pick it up wherever you want. It's available online at you know, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and it's called The Financial Anxiety Solution. And if you go to my website, mindmoneybalance.com slash podcast, um, and you send me proof of info, there will be directions there. I will send you a free video training on a values-based spending exercise. I'm on your website right now, and this is beautiful. Are you starting a podcast? I am starting a podcast. So spring of 2020, it'll be coming out. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. Well, maybe we will talk again. I would love to have another conversation with you on the podcast here on Soul Sugar because I feel like there's just so much more we can chat about when it comes to finances as a couple and as I go into my next phase of life as a married lady, like it'll be cool to have another conversation with you again. And I appreciate what you're doing so much and I appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast, you know so much about how to just navigate this world of confusing finances, but also just like really feeling liberated in being able to create income for yourselves and just like navigating the world of finances as a couple. And so thank you so much for being on and definitely go check her out everybody. And I will see you guys or talk to you guys in the next episode of Soul Sugar Podcast.